Welcome to Stanford Innovation Lab. I'm Tina Seelig, Professor of the Practice in the Department of Management Science and Engineering at Stanford University. This podcast is designed to give you a taste of the topics we explore in our classes on innovation and entrepreneurship. Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of Stanford Innovation Lab. We're so excited to be back in the studio, and this season we're changing it up. We've cut our episodes down to bite-sized pieces with conversations with some of Silicon Valley's most creative innovators. Each episode focuses on a specific aspect of innovation, including brainstorming, reframing problems, and creativity within constraints. As part of our commitment to innovation, we're also doing an experiment ourselves. We're going to be launching a special challenge episode later in the season, and I hope you'll participate. Our first theme is brainstorming. I had a chance to talk with Emily Ma, who's refined her brainstorming mastery at Google X and IDEO. She's also a lecturer here at Stanford School of Business. I first met Emily when she was a student in the Mayfield Fellows Program over a dozen years ago. In this first episode, Emily and I discuss the essential ingredients for productive brainstorming. As you'll see, brainstorming is much more than post-its and a whiteboard. Brainstorming requires fostering an environment for blue sky thinking that yields really breakthrough ideas. It requires the right people, the right physical space and energy, and effective inspiration points. As you listen, I encourage you to pay close attention to the ingredients that spark fresh ideas. So, without further ado, here's Emily. Emily, I'm so glad that you're here with us. I'm so happy to be here, Tina. It's a real pleasure. People often look just at the rules of brainstorming that look really simple, you know, build on ideas, no bad ideas, defer judgment, all that sort of stuff. And what happens is that those are just the starting point. There are all these other things that have to happen and strategies that actually make it work. So how do you think about setting up a brainstorm? When I was in consulting, and IDEO is a consulting firm, right? You know, the way consulting works, hours matter, right? So you're thinking about, okay, if I bring this person to the room and this person in the room and this person in the room, it's actually kind of expensive, right? So you really are thoughtful with people's time because time is money, right? So, you know, when I think about designing a brainstorm, right, I I really want to maximize that hour together that we have with five to seven people. And if it's a particular topic, right, you know, for a client or for an internal project, you really think about, okay, how do I describe this topic in a really engaging and exciting way so that I can attract the best brainstormers? Because a brainstorm is only as effective as the brains in the room. That's right. Super important. So one of the most important things about, uh, people in the room is you want everybody to come in on an equal footing, right? One of my rules of thumb when I worked for big companies is never bring the CEO in the room or whoever the person is who's possibly going to make others less than comfortable in speaking their mind, right? In a brainstorm, in an ideation sort of setting, you want everybody to be creative and open and and, and ready to share, right? And sometimes asking the CEO to leave the room or asking the managing director to leave the room is is actually the one thing that makes the biggest difference. So oftentimes we used to orchestrate these experiences where, you know, one of us will take the CEO out for coffee and we'll talk about business or something like that. And so that's when some really interesting, fruitful things happen back in the room is like the team was like, oh, wait, oh, oh, wait, he's out of the room. We could tell you the real deal now. Let's like talk about the real ideas that we have. And people get really excited when there isn't someone watching over them. So, so I know that sounds kind of odd and, and no, strange, but that's important but to make sure you, one thing to remember, right? right? You get rid of the hierarchy. Exactly. But do you think also bringing people in who are, um, 
way outside oh, the field yeah. to bring Absolutely. a really different point of view. Absolutely. So here's one of my favorite stories. Um, at IDEO, uh, when I was um, much younger and, and, and early, it was, it was actually a real honor to get invited to other people's brainstorms. So uh, what was amazing was that all of us would be working on different projects, right? So you know, one of us might be working on a medical device project. Another one might be working on, you know, a project to reinvent pizza. Another project might be reinventing antacids. And, you know, I, I had this really odd and wonderful experience um, in my first year at IDEO where um, I was, um, I don't remember what exactly I was working on, but my head was in the medical device space. So I was, was deep, like seeped in like, you know, interventional cardiology or something like that. And I got invited to a brainstorm on um, <laughs> something that was akin to like the Swif- the, the Swiffer mop. And uh, they, the, the, the problem, it was a bunch of, it was an engineering challenge and we were trying to figure out how to attach like the, the, the head of the broom to the handle or whatever it was. Um, and uh, somehow you know, in my head, because I was kind of cross-pollinating kind of naturally, I was like, oh, you know, we could, we could take, you know, a, a page out of the playbook of, you know, how balloon catheters work. And maybe we could inflate something that would then connect to the handle. And that would, that would be the way it would fit together. So it's really interesting to bring people who are working on different things and com- from completely different, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of areas of expertise to look at a particular problem because you never know what cross-pollination will Right, where the inspiration will come from. Did you end up using that, the balloon? I think we ended up prototyping that. I don't think we ended up going forward with it, but it was an interesting thing, Absolutely, absolutely. Do you have people generate ideas individually Mm. first and then come to a brainstorm? I know that some people really like that idea of having folks spend a little bit of time sort of uh, generating their initial ideas before they come together, or do you like everyone to just start out as a big group? (laughs) Well, it actually really depends, right? Again, it goes back to who we bring into the room. Um, I'm pretty cognizant of um, people's personalities. Some people are introverts. Some people are extroverts. Some people like to talk first. Some people like to think first. And my goal as a facilitator oftentimes is to ensure that um, there's, again, you know, there's equality with that group. So especially with the folks who tend to be quieter or introverted, I actually kind of nudge them ahead of time and be like, hey, you know what? Um, You know, our brainstorm is about to start in like five, 10 minutes. Like, I bet you have some great ideas. Why don't you write them down on a post-it note or two so that you can kind of get in there right early on, right? So a lot of it's like, you know, it's the unspoken rules of brainstorming. There's a little bit of nudging here and there beforehand to get everybody kind of going on an equal footing. So what else do you have in the room? Do you like to have prototyping <laughs> things to build stuff? I mean, obviously you've got a whiteboard and post-its. Yeah. I don't know how anyone ever had an idea before there were post-its. <laughs> okay. But so you've got your post-its and Sharpies and whiteboards. So what else do you need? Ah, great question. So uh, I love having random stuff around, right? It's really inspiring because you never know, again, what you're, what you're really aiming for is free association, cross-pollination, whatnot. So, um, you know, at, at X and at IDEO, we, we try to bring stuff to the, to the table or to the room, right? So, you know, it's, it's extra pens and pencils and things to write on. Um, but also like, oh, rem- like, Bring that prototype that you made like three years ago that's in your box of stuff, right? Or, you know what, like there's this, you know, like kit that 3M sent us with all these interesting new like transparent films. Bring that and put it on the table or, you know, like bring candy, right? Also, it's it's great to have something to eat when you're, when you're, it's, it's kind of like running a marathon. So it's use, useful to have some snacks, right? So we do have things kind of sitting around because 
honestly, it's actually kind of hard if you have a blank canvas and nothing around to kind of draw things from thin air. So you will start to make free associations. And you know, sometimes it's photos, you know, of, of, of the user, of, you know, the situation, of the environment that they're in. Um, sometimes it's engineering prototypes. So it's, 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 if you show up with a box of stuff, I bet you'll have a more productive brainstorm. So um, that's really cool. What what about the physical space for brainstorm? This is always an interesting uh, variable that people often don't yes. think about. Yes. The space matters. So yes. how do you set up the space? And one of the other sort of follow-up questions is, can you brainstorm in your normal office space? Mm-hmm. Or do you have mm-hmm. to go somewhere different? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I am of the mind that even in a normal office space that you can be bold and change it up, right? You know, most of us are sitting in very structured office spaces, possibly cubicles. And, you know, I've met lots of people who, you know, have been sort of emboldened to go back and be like, all right, you know what? Like the four of us are kind of bought into sort of maybe trying things a little differently. So we're just going to like move all tables out of the space, right? Or have one table and then we'll like have a common space and whatnot. So let me, let me sort of dive in more deeply about ideation. I, I, I personally believe that ideation is one of those things where um, all members of the team, it benefits us to be firstly standing because you emote with your body and when you're sitting, you're a little bit more stagnant in your energy, right? So standing really helps. But also, um, we generally tend to be more creative when we're all looking at something together, right? All looking in the same direction versus at each other, right? It's not that we don't you know, we, we're not going to riff, you know, with one another um, if we're standing and looking at a whiteboard together. But generally, it, it it's it's less about you versus me and my opinion versus yours. And it's more about like, oh, what have we put on the whiteboard? What have we put up on the wall? What are we looking at together? So just that sort of repositioning of like, focus physically makes a huge difference. So you you want the energy to be slightly higher. You want to be looking towards something. You want everyone to be looking at the same direction. So I love the fact that you mentioned so early standing up. I remember I learned that only a few years ago and it changed my life, honestly, because it was not obvious. But once you realize that you have to be brainstorming standing up, you realize, well, well, duh. I mean, this is an energetic, this is a, 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 a high energy activity. This is, if you're sitting down and looking too relaxed, you're probably not going to be generating these ideas. So that's kind of an interesting point though, because right? You're standing up, you're, you're moving around, it's high energy. How much time can you do this? I always feel like there's a tension between wanting to get lots and lots of ideas, which takes more time versus having it very, very intense, which would assume sort of a shorter sprint. So how do you manage that sort of marathon versus sprint Ah, aspect? Great, great question. So um, generally when I think about an hour, that's a long time to sprint, long time to sprint. And what uh, I've noticed over the years is uh, with teams, um, somewhere between um, 30 to 45 minutes is a good period of time to be brainstorming. And even during that 30 to 45 minutes, it's not necessarily we're going to brainstorm on a single question, right? I will oftentimes as a team starts to slow down or, you know, there's a lull, I'll, I'll have those extra questions in my back pocket, you know, the reframe. It's like, okay, guys, it seems like you've kind of exhausted this one question. Let's let's try looking at this one. 
Right. And then by the time you hit 30 to 45 minutes, you probably have gone through two or three of those. Right. I, and, I have some go-to questions like that. Like, okay, how would you solve the problem if you had no money at all? Yes, exactly. How would you solve it if you had a million dollars? How would you solve it 20 years in the past or 20 years in the future or for a five-year-old or a 95-year-old? So there are things that you can sort of apply for almost any problem, you know, as an interesting reframe. That is absolutely right. And I, you know, it, it's just like sometimes I think people are kind of uncomfortable when there's a silence, when there's like a lull in a conversation. I personally think those are magical moments and let them kind of steep, right? Oftentimes someone is probably sketching something on a post-it note and it's okay to let that energy be a little lower than a little higher, you know, for parts of a brainstorm. Thanks to Emily for her insights. What a pleasure. Next week, we'll explore how to frame problems for an effective brainstorm and how to avoid incremental ideas. This podcast is brought to you by Stanford eCorner and the Stanford Technology Ventures Program, the Entrepreneurship Center at Stanford School of Engineering. Stanford Innovation Lab is produced and edited by Eli Shell. Our digital solutions manager is Sarah Khan with software development by Davor Senkovic. Our designer is Daniel Stusi, and communications and marketing are led by Mike Pena and Monica Yort. You can find additional podcasts, videos, and articles at ecorner.stanford.edu. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on both this podcast and our ETL series. So please follow us on Twitter and eCorner. And if you're a fan of the series, please leave a review on iTunes. Finally, remember, entrepreneurs do much more than imaginable with much less than seems possible.